Lord, we've come now in this service to the time of the preaching. We know, O oh God, that your word is food for our spirit, man. Every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Touch us this morning, O oh Lord, and anoint our ears to hear, and anoint our hearts, O oh Lord, to receive the engrafted word, that we may grow thereby. Touch us now, O oh Lord, as we contemplate spiritual things and hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. And let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. amen. And amen. One of the great feasts of the Jewish people was the Feast of Passover. And that's when they remember what God did in the Exodus when they were in bondage in Israel, in Egypt it was. And the death angel came through and put a curse upon that whole city that the eldest son in every family would die. And from the Pharaoh's palace all the way down to the weakest, most humble peasant dwelling, there was heard wailing. But for every door that had the blood smeared upon the door lintel, there was protection. And God said, as long as you'll stay in the house, there'll be protection. And Jewish people for thousands of years have remembered the Passover. It was Passover week when Jesus was now 33. And knowing that his hour had come, his purpose. You know, so many people fail to realize that Jesus was on a mission. Amen. I've heard preachers preach that uh, when Jesus was born, they searched all through heaven. They didn't search through heaven to find something priceless enough to come and purchase our redemption. No, it wasn't a treasure hunt. But the Bible said, at the fullness of time. At the fullness of time, when God's time came, when God's clock struck ready, the fullness of time, God sent his son, sent his son. It wasn't a search for something priceless. It was a mission. God sent his son into the world, made of a woman, made under the law, that he might redeem all of them that was under that bondage of the law. For God sent not his son into the world, John 3, 17, into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So Jesus was in Jerusalem. It had been a busy week, a very busy week. The Sunday before, he had rode in and uh, upon the, the donkey, you remember me preaching at Palm Sunday, and the events of that week, the cleansing of the temple and all the things that happened during that, that week were weighing heavily upon the disciples' heart and mind. And now Jesus was telling them, I'm about to leave you. I'm about to go. And all the disciples were eager to find out, well, what's in this for me? And they began to argue and fuss among themselves, who would be the greatest in the kingdom of God? He's going to leave, he's going to die, and what am I going to get? Sounds like a funeral home to me, doesn't it, you, Don? Yeah. Well, she's dead now. I wonder if I'm going to get her car. Well, I wonder if I'm going, if I'm going to get the house. I wonder what my part in this one uh, is going to be. And the disciples were kind of parting things up about who was going to be next. Next. Brother, there's nothing that makes people shout at harvest like telling them they're next. Brother, if you want this house to erupt in a shouting camp meeting, you just say, you're next. 
next to be blessed, next to get healed, next to be, oh, we could go on and on with that, but brother, just knowing you're next, buddy, will get a shout out of harvest, I'll tell you that. Here these disciples were wondering, well, I wonder if I'm going to be next. I wonder if I'm going to be the one that is kind of uh, crowned to be the one that, that Jesus chooses after he is gone. But, but Jesus does something very strange, very, very strange. It's found in John chapter 13. That's the foot washing episode. Let's, let's read five verses from that 13th chapter. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. Well, what a great statement about the love of Jesus and the love of God. He loved those that God gave him. He loved those that were his, and he loved them unto the end. Brother, wouldn't that be great if that could be said about us? That we loved until the end. Praise God, I intend to keep loving God to the end, don't you? And I believe he's going to keep loving me until the end. So if both of us keep loving each other until the end, then praise God, the end's going to be a beautiful thing. Amen. He loved them, and he loved them unto the end, the end of that, that ordeal which was going on at the crucifixion. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he was come from God, he was come from God and went unto God, he riseth from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel, girded himself, and after that he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. We all know these are last days, don't we? We all know that there are perilous times that are around us. It's also a time of falling away. Jesus said, except that time of falling away come, that there would be no return. So he said, know this, in the last days, there'll be a falling away. Paul told Timothy, he said, in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Uh, Paul told uh, uh, that group of elders that was leaving Ephesus, as he was leaving them, he, he said, I know that after my departure shall grievous me men enter in, grievous wolves enter in, and not sparing the flock, and of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things. He said their hearts would be turned away from the word of God, and would be turned unto fables. In other words, tell me a story. Don't tell me the word of God. Tell me a story. Let's hear a good metaphor. Let's not hear the truth of the word of God. Let's just, can't we just do a move here or something? And just tell a story and make everybody leave here feeling good. Well, I wish it was that way, but sometimes the Word of God doesn't work like that. Sometimes the Word of God has conviction about it. Sometimes the Word of God just speaks right to your heart and right to your need. In fact, the Bible said in the last days there would be a famine. Not a famine of preaching the Word of God, but a famine of hearing the Word of God. Isn't it something that today there's more preaching being preached than ever before and less hearing than ever before? Why is that, Pastor? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And uh, 
the question is asked, will the Lord find faith when he comes? Will the Lord find, I sure hope he finds faith. I sure hope at 520 Golden Springs Road and the Eastern Bypass, whatever it is out there, that you'll know that there's some people in here that have faith in God. And there's some people in here that have decided to follow Jesus no matter what. Amen. Will the Lord find faith? Yes, the Lord will find faith when he comes. But until that time comes, we've got to observe the times. The Bible said that the people of Israel, of the tribe of Issachar, had men and prophets. And the Bible said they understood the times and knew what Israel should do. I believe that there are some men now that understand the times and know what the church ought to do. Amen. I think this is the time for the church to be at its best. I think this is the time for people who name the name of Christ to be at their, their greatest. I believe this is the time for the church to be in revival. I believe this is the time for preachers to preach the truth of God's word. I believe this is the time when God is expecting his witness in the world to be at its very, very best. If you believe that, say amen. 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 It is perilous times and there are things, but we've got this admonishment. When you see all of these things, Wars, rumors of wars, perilous times, nation rise against nation, people being fierce, incontinent, despisers of those that are good, the falling away. When you see all of that, don't draw up in a little shell somewhere and say, woe is me. Don't feel like you're just defeated and have no purpose. Why, my Lord, no. He said, lift up your head and rejoice because your redemption draweth nigh. Praise God, there's never been a time to preach redemption like right now. There's never been a time to preach that the Lord is coming like right now. There's never been a time to embrace the truth of God's word like right now, this very moment. Praise God. But the sad commentary is that church attendance in America is on the decline. The sad commentary is we're going like the fa uh, trends of the times in, in Europe and uh, where they say that religion is on a slippery slope going downhill. Wow. For several years, many, many years since its inception, the strong Southern Baptist Convention announced growth every year. In the last few years, they've announced that there's been a back falling off. Wow. The United Methodist Church in America has lost a million members in the last 10 years. Boy, something just sucked all the air out of this building, didn't it? Well, something has got to happen. We're going the wrong way. I said, we're going the wrong way, so we somehow got to change that. We've got to change that trend. At Harvest, at, at any church, First Baptist in Aniston, at, at Golden Springs Baptist, we've got to change that trend. We've got to turn that around because God's people need to be faithful in these last days. This isn't time to throw in the towel and quit. This is time to hold up your head and finish to go to the finish line with faith and fidelity to our cause and our purpose. Praise God. So God is expecting people to be, to be faithful to him. We've come to a time when the word of God is almost ridiculed and made fun of. We've come to a time when the world seems to have such an energy for its lustful desires and passions. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 12, Paul said, For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. 
but all things are reproved and made manifest by the light for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Light and dark don't mix. And the Bible said people love darkness because deeds are evil. 14th verse, wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. Wow. God is looking at a, a sleeping, cold, dead church. God is looking at a church that's losing ground, falling away. I believe God is saying to America, American churches today, Arise, arise, thou that sleepest, and Christ will give you light. The prophet Amos said, Woe be unto them that are at ease in Zion. We can't get complacent. We can't get status quo and ordinary and mundane. We must never yield to the temptation to just do business as usual. Every day, every opportunity to preach the gospel, every energy that we have ought to be exercised to godliness and exercised to the purpose whereunto we are called. And that is to be a witness in this world and to preach the word of the living God. God supplies these things. Do you serve a higher power? Do you serve a higher purpose than you serve yourself? The Bible said they're gathered at a table. What is a table for? Eating. And I want to tell you, harvest is full of Edomites. Brother, there's one thing they do better than they do anything else, and that's eat. Every gathering we have at harvest, uh, there's food somewhere. Amen. We're a bunch of Edomites. We really are. Here the disciples were gathered in that upper room with Jesus for the last supper. The last supper. The last supper. Jesus had secured the room. Jesus had made the arrangements. I've preached that to you before in Matthew about how the Lord sent ahead people to prepare an upper room. An upper room. I'm glad that God is up, aren't you? He's not down, he's up. When you look to God, look up. Many times when I'm in an altar service with people, I say, hey, 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 stop looking down, look up. God is up. I said, God is up. God is high. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from which cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord. God wants us to seek those things which are above. Hey, it's all up, folks, from here. Praise God, it's not down, it's up. Amen, our confidence and our praying and our praise, our worship should be expressed in an in a upward way. God leads people and he guides people and he feeds people. Is there anybody here that God has fed you? Have you ever been fed by God? Boy, one of those great examples is over in, in Kings where Elijah goes over with the brook and he's sitting there at the brook and the ravens come and drop food on him. God will feed you. But there will come a time when God says, I've fed you enough and it's time to get up and start serving. You see the table. I love to sit at the table, don't you? Hey, my favorite place at Finchie's house is the table. The table in the kitchen is where most activity happens. Brother, that's where we eat. That's where we talk. That's where we drink coffee. That's where we do just a play aggravation. That's where we do just about everything is at the table. 
I want to tell you, God loves the table. The table is where God says, come and let's fellowship. The table is where God says, come and let's have relationship. The table is where God says, come and let's enjoy things together. Let's rejoice. God's table is a fun place to be. Boy, I love God's table. It's, it's always something good when I go to God's table. He's always got something good to eat. I can say this of a truth. He's never fixed a bad meal. Brother, every time I go to God's house, it's good. Every time I sit at God's table, it's good. It's good. But the Bible said that Jesus got up from the table. Supper being ended, Jesus got up from the table. Wow. In other words, God feeds you to give you fuel to be a servant and go to work for God. And Jesus is about to show you servanthood to these guys that are proud and arrogant and self-centered. He's about to tell them, hey, if you want to be a servant, here's how you do it. You can't sit at the table always. You got to get up from the table sometime and serve. Woo, I come to preach this morning. Some folks have sat at the table so long, they've got fat and sassy and developed a little attitude and got lazy and it's rather, they're rather choice to sit at the table than to get down in the floor. It's easier to sit at the table. There's no constraints, there's no physicality, you can just rest and sit there and just keep on piling in. Feed me, Lord, feed me. Fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul. Bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. Fill Bunch of fat cats sitting around at the table. And Jesus looked around at those fat cats sitting at the table on the Last Supper, and he said, you guys need a, a visual here. You, you, you need a visual. We, I need to show you an illustration of why God lets you sit at the table. He fuels and gives you energy at the table so you can get down on the floor and start serving. Whoa. God feeds us. He feeds us. And you know what he does? The more that you feed him and the more praise that you give, the more blessing he comes back. It really is. You know what God's really saying? He said, I want to play catch with you. You give it to me, I'll just give it back to you. Got some praise you want to give? Give me some praise. 
I'll just give you some good food back for that. Oh, you got some worship? You gonna give me some worship? Hey, I got some worship. I'll just give you some worship back. You need some mercy? You need some help or something? Call on me. Call on me. Call on me. It's reciprocal. It goes and comes. It's here and there. Just call on me. Need healing? Come on, let's play catch, God says. Come on, give me some glory, give me some praise. I'll put it back to you. I'll, I'll send something in return for that. Hallelujah. Where God leads, he feeds. Where God guides, he provides. He's a prayer here, a prayer answering God. Prayer answering God. Last Wednesday night, I, I had a prayer request, and I just stood there and had the people of God lay their hands on me. And the next day, God answered the prayer. What happened, Pastor? What was that all about? Buddy, I can do that all day, can't you? Glory to God. His part and mine. As long as I do my part, every time I pitch it to him, he just pitches it back to me. Glory to God. Every time I put it in the offering, he just presses it down, shakes it together. And gives it back to me. Glory to God, I can't outgive him. I can't outbless him. I can't outdo him. He's greater than anything I could ever imagine. He's more wonderful than I could ever aspire to. He's a great God who has no peer. He is a God who supplies all of our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He is a God that hears prayers. He's a God that is on your behalf. He'll help you when you're down. He'll lift you up when you cast out. He'll do all things to them that love him. No good thing will God withhold from people who love him and worship him. Prayer answering. Prayer hearing. But he got up from the table and he said, feeding's over. Feeding's over. It's time to serve. It's time to do something. It's time to do something. And the Bible said the first thing he did was he took his garments and he laid them aside. He laid aside the garments. The old saying is, the clothes make the man. Clothes make me, you know what? People say that you can look at clothes a person wears, you can tell a lot about their personality. You can tell about the way they wear their clothes. See, we've got this persona that we want to project. This uh, image, is that what they call it? This image. And, and, and the way that we have our, our badges. That's a good one. 
I uh, won a tournament one time, and one of the prizes was a beautiful purple hat, and it had a gold bound around the front of it. And I looked at that thing. I said, boy, that's, that is nice. Ella Grace likes purple. I, I, need to, I need to wear that. So praise God, I put on my hat. I started wearing that purple hat around with that gold band. Boy, it was pretty. Had CR on the top of it. And I thought that would probably mean Cider Ridge. But one of those uh, drunks walked up to me and said, Preacher, you need to give that cap to me. You don't need to wear that cap. I said, oh, I won that cap. It's pretty. It's purple, got gold on and everywhere. And he said, that's Crown Royal. I said, oh, let me get rid of that cap. I don't want that badge on me. I don't want that brand. I don't want that label. No worry about me. Come on, somebody. Sometimes the way we wear our garments, you know, there's a, a pitcher. I think he pitches for the Cubs, don't he, Don? He turns his hat around sideways like this. He wants you to know I'm in rebellion. I'm not going to yield to what you think about how I ought to wear this cap. But I wear it sideways just to let you know that I'm a rebel at heart. Some of them wears it like this. Just want you to know it may belong that way, but I'm going to wear it the other way. Come on, somebody. When Jesus got up from the table, he divested himself of garments. He laid garments aside. You see, if you're going to serve the way God wants you to serve, if you're going to live and love him like he wants you to live and love him, you need to throw away all your garments of identity and image and all that stuff and just say, I just want to be what God purposes for me to be. I want to fulfill his plan for my life. I want to be what God wants me to be. I don't have any badge to wear that says I'm great. I don't have any badge to wear or label to wear that says that I'm somebody that's above everybody else. I'm just a nobody from nowhere that got acquainted with the Lord Jesus. I had nothing and he gave me everything. I was a nobody and he made me somebody. I had no reason and he gave me a purpose. I had no direction and he gave me guidance and direction. I had a sad song to sing, but he gave me joy that's unspeakable, that's full of glory. I don't have to wear all this to impress you. All I need to say is I know Jesus. He's the savior of my life. He's the redeemer of my soul. I'm on my way to heaven. I'll see him someday. Until I do, I'll serve him. I'll worship him. I'll live for him. I'll sing the songs. I'll preach the word. I'll serve him. 
I'll serve him. Sometimes I miss it when he feeds me. I think he fed me for another reason. And I misunderstood his pitch. I misjudged. I wasn't in the right timing. I misjudged what God was blessing me with. And because I misjudged it, I mistimed it. And I missed it. Perk up. Have you ever missed it? Has God ever sent it and you missed it? God said it and you didn't hear it? God communicated it, but you were off over somewhere in Georgia picking peas. And you didn't get it. God wants you to get it. Sometimes when I preach, I, I want to stop and say, do you get it? Because sometimes when God pitches it, I miss it. And I have to be careful. But you know what God does? He always gets up, retrieves it, wipes it off, and pitches it again. Hoping that that time he'll get it. And you know what, if I missed it another time, he'd go pick it up and he'd say, let's try this until you get it. It may take a hundred pitches. It may take a hundred tosses. It may take a hundred attempts, but I'm gonna keep on. I won't take my hand off of you. I won't desert you. I won't give up on you. I'll keep trying until you get it. Glory to God. I'll keep trying till you get it. Divested himself of garments. You need to understand that self-centered, self-aggrandizing, proud, heady, high-minded, arrogant people don't serve anybody but themselves. Are you hearing this pastor today? Wow. They don't serve their family. They don't serve their neighbors. They don't serve their generation. It's all about them and their comfort and their well-being. Now, don't you get confused here. Those kind of selfish people are not going to serve, but they love to be served. I said, those kind of folks aren't going to serve, but they love to be served. And if you don't serve them the way they want to be served, they'll let you know that you're not living up to expectation. Whoa, boy, struck a nerve, huh? They'll be critical of your service. Don't intend to serve themselves, but they expect you to serve. And if you miss it, they're going to point that out real quick to you. And they'll hurt you, and they'll say mean things to you, and they're harsh with you. Come on, somebody. Because they've all got this mentality that I'm in this for me. They're still at the table. Come on, still at the table. Never cross their mind to get down and get on the floor and start washing feet. They'd rather stay at the table and continue to be served. Oh, Lord, that's rich stuff right there. You see, Jesus said, I didn't come to serve, came to, to be served. I came to serve and give my life a ransom for many. Listen to me, folks. Stuff is just stuff. 
And there will come a time in your life when you'll realize stuff is not going to make you happy. You're going to get to a time in your life and you're going to realize that stuff and things, you've got stuff in your closet now you forgot about. Lost all that, that reason you thought you couldn't do without it. It's like Debbie's shoes. She ain't here so I can preach on her shoes. Got shoes she had more. I bet she don't even know she's got. And she's passed it on to her granddaughter. Ella Grace went in there the other day and got a pair of shoes. Most expensive shoes Debbie has got. I'm not going to tell you how much she paid for them. You'd cut my salary. <laughs> and Ella Grace went straight to that pair that she liked the most and paid the most for and said, Dee Dee, can I have these? And we're talking about a woman who loves her grandkids more than anything else in the world. And I just sat there and was aghast when she said, no, honey, you can't have them. <laughs> those really mean a whole lot to me. You can't have those. But if I ever decide to turn them loose, you can have them. Hey, that day won't come. <laughs> Things. But when you really get in trouble and you really need help, Things won't get it for you. Things won't get it for you. Let me tell you, only Jesus can satisfy your soul. This world will try to satisfy, but it can never give you enough to satisfy you. Are you hearing this, Pastor? And that's the trouble with a lot of relationships is there are givers and there are takers. Hope that you got matched up with the other one if you're one of those. Because if you got stuck with one that's the same as you, you're in trouble. Especially if you're a taker and you got a taker. Because buddy, those kind of folks start fighting right after the ceremony. And they'll fight and fight and fight some more until they eventually part. You see, you just can't survive in an environment where everybody's a taker. You see, if, if a daddy is a taker and a mama is a taker and they raise children that are takers, and all you've got in that home is friction and animosity and tug of war. I want what I want. Give me what I want. Serve me. Give me what I'm asking you. I want this. That's the attitude of that prodigal son, you remember? I want what I want. Marriages are a shambles in this country. And next thing you know, after a taker, can't be given everything she or he wants. They show up at a counselor's office and say, I'm just not happy. 
not happy. What are you saying? I'm not happy unless I'm getting what I want. He won't give me what I want. He don't make enough money. Come on, somebody, you were shouting a minute ago. When I tell him I want something, he can't get it. When I tell her I want this or I want that, she can't do it. And next thing you know, you've just got chaos. You see, unless God can do something to change that heart, then that heart is in for catastrophic, disastrous things. He got up from that table. Come on, Connor, and help me quit. Got up from that table, divested himself of garments, and the Bible said then he gird himself with a towel. Now, a towel is the common garb of a slave. Jesus laid aside his badge, his identity, and put on a towel to let everybody know I'm a servant. Great sermon I heard preached one time about the language of the towel. The language of the towel. You see, that towel is all about serving somebody. You see, the problem was when Jesus realized it, he said, I'm sitting at this table with people who have dirty feet. Dirty feet. That'd be a good sermon title, wouldn't it, Michelle? Eating at the table with dirty feet. Why was that situation? You know, usually when you came in, in those days, the mode of transportation was not Cadillac, Mercedes, BMW. The mode of transportation was size 10 and a half. You walked. And being as you walked on your journey, then those sandals and those feet got dusty and dirty. And how many of you know walking's hard work? When you have to do it. When the doctor said that you gotta work, you gotta walk two miles a day. Well, I'm perfectly happy to walk around here and walk around there, but when I've gotta walk two miles, my time, my energy is all taken up by doing what somebody else said for me to do. Then that's difficult to do. Can you imagine everywhere you went, you had to walk? Brother, I'd imagine people missed a lot of appointments, wouldn't you say? Because I could probably be found somewhere along the way, say I'm under a palm tree with Zacchaeus in the shade. But when you arrived at a guest house, either he, the host, or one of his servants would first, very first, he'd come and wash your feet. And by doing that, he was saying to you, when you come to my house, I want you to be refreshed, I want you to find cleansing, and I want you to be comfortable. When you sit at my table, I want you to sit at my table Comforted, blessed, and refreshed, and cleansed. Isn't that great? Man, that's good. But the unfortunate thing for God is, He's depending on us to do that. 
Brother Jerry, I'll tell you right now, I don't have a squirt bottle in my hand and a Kleenex to go around washing people's feet. What are you talking about? I'm talking about that encouragement. I'm talking about that washing someone's feet that has been on a journey and they've picked up a lot of filth and picked up a lot of dust and dirt and they've come into your house, into your presence, and you have an opportunity to refresh them, to comfort them, to encourage them, to be a blessing to them so that they look forward to coming to your house. Oh boy, there's some of you sitting here today that I can remember being at your house. Boy, I love to go to your house. I love to go to your house. Your house is a good place. You make me feel comforted and refreshed and blessed and you bring me iced tea before we eat and then we we'll go eat a big meal and, and then you turn some ice cream and you bring some out and say, Pastor, you want some ice cream? And every way you can, you let me know that I'm loved and appreciated. That's what washing feet's about. I don't know so much that Jesus intended to institute an ordinance, but I am assured and confident that he wanted to teach servant leadership. Servant leadership. When Jesus knelt down and started washing their feet, he was washing all the filth of the journey off. All the tiredness that was in their feet, he was bathing that. And he came to Peter. And Peter said, Lord, you're going to wash my feet? And Jesus said, yes, I am, Peter. No, no, you'll never wash my feet. No, you're the Lord. You don't wash feet. And Jesus looked at him and said these words. If I don't wash your feet, then you have no part with me. And Peter then said this. Then Lord, not just my feet, but my hands and my head also. If washing my feet is going to make me have a part with you, then don't just wash the feet. Wash the hands and wash the head so that my mind and all of my working activity to serve can be employed. I want you to touch everything about me that works, my feet and my hands and the head I think about it with. Not just my feet, but every bit of me. You know the wonderful thing about this? is when Jesus came around to Judas. And Jesus knew, Greg, that he was the one that would betray him. And Jesus knew that he'd already made plans to sell the Lord Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And Jesus already knew, Brother Billy, that what he had sold those 30 pieces of silver for was going to put nails in the hands of Jesus and nails in the feet of Jesus. But even knowing that, he knelt down and washed Judas' feet. I heard someone in the back of the house say, I wouldn't have washed his feet. I might break his feet, but I wouldn't have washed his feet. See, when you're a servant and you're representing the Lord Jesus, 
He expects you to love like He loves. And His love is unconditional. And His love is a perfect love. And He doesn't pick and choose who He loves. He doesn't just love people because they go to church. He doesn't just love people because they pay tithe. He doesn't love people just because they're saved. He loves everybody, not based upon what they do, but based upon who they are, who they are. And I can say to you today that you've come into the house of which the Lord is the host, and He wants you to be refreshed, and He wants you to be encouraged, and He wants you to be strengthened, and He wants you to be blessed before you leave His house today. Amen. That's His purpose. It's a pitiful thing for us to sit around the table with dirty feet. Stand with me. Pastor, I don't like for you to imply that my feet are dirty. I don't like for you to tell everybody in this house about my dirty feet. They're sweaty, stinking, got old dirt from the road on them. It's all, all right with you, Pastor. I'll wash my own feet. Nobody else ought to have to do that. There may be somebody that's beside you today that you don't know what they're going through. And you don't know what they left at home to come to church today. Their world at home may be spinning and out of control and coming apart. The house they left, the family they left, the work they left at work last Friday, they've got to go back into tomorrow. You don't know what that is. It may be a terrible, perplexing thing for them. Would you wash somebody's feet with me this morning? Oh, no, I'm not going to get a basin. I'm not going to pour the water. I want you to wash somebody's feet with words. I want you to anoint somebody with words. What do you mean, Pastor? The Lord is the strength of my life. He is my light and my salvation, and I trust in Him. That's called foot washing. Brother Jack, everything's going to be all right. God is in control. He rolls out the heavens every morning. He causes the lilies of the valley to bloom, causes the birds to chirp, causes the wind to blow and the sun to rise, and He's going to take care of you. You mean that's foot washing, Brother Jerry? You better believe it is. That's good foot washing. Why don't you turn to that person beside you and quote them a scripture, tell them something you know, and encourage them in the Lord and refresh them before we dismiss today. Will you do that? Amen. Praise God. Boy, that sounds good. A lot of foot washing going on in here. You are somebody. God loves you. Jesus died for you. Amen. He rose again for you. And you're so special that he's got you written on the palm of his hand. You're engraving upon the palm of his hand. I said, you're engraving upon the palm of his hand. Lest he forget. He said, a mother may forget you. A mama might forget you. Probably won't. But if she should ever do that, God will never forget you. Wow, what a mighty God he is.
one more time before we leave. Could you give him praise and lift him? That's right, just praise him and worship him. Amen. Can I say one word before you dismiss this morning? If you're going through this week and you're ready to be a servant and you just can't recall what this sermon is all about, would you put this image in your mind this morning? Can you put that on the screen for us this morning? There it is, right there. That's, that'll, that'll, that'll put that memory in your mind. You remember me for a lot of things, but that ain't one you need to remember me by. <laughs> Amen. Hey, that's a classic, isn't it? That's a classic. That one, that one, and, and Brandon jumping rope up there one day. That, that's a good one. Thank you, Lord, for letting us be in your house. Go with us, O oh Lord, to our homes and our families. Give us an enjoyable day today. We'll give you glory and honor and praise because we're your people, and we are foot washers at harvest. Amen and amen. God bless you and God go with you. It's my prayer. You have a great day.